Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Love Hour podcast. I'm your host, Miss Kev on stage and noticeably absent is my dear husband, Kev on stage. He is actually on an airplane right now because we've had a very interesting night where our plane uh, was grounded from Jacksonville, Florida en route to Atlanta. We were diverted to Savannah, Georgia because of weather. We were there for about three hours. We refueled, got back in the air to make it to Atlanta, and then we missed our connecting flight. It was wonderful. It was a complete waste of time, actually, because we went there to see my nephew run in the Junior Olympics, and it rained, thundered, and lightning. Rain we can do. Thunder and lightning no can do. So they had all the athletes get up, remove themselves from the track, go back to their vehicles with their parents. And by the time we came back, we had to go catch a flight. It was a complete waste of time. A complete waste of time and then all of that rigmarole happened between trying to get from Jacksonville or I'm sorry trying to yeah from Jacksonville to LA we ended up going to Savannah Atlanta stayed overnight in Atlanta I am here and Kevin and my boys we were on different flights and so it just ended up being a whole mess so he's not here however I do have a very special guest um here with me pronounce your last name for me Julie Manano. Manano. Okay, I was going to say it right. We have Julie Manano here with me. She is a, well, actually, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself. How about that? That sounds good. So I am a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed clinical professional counselor. Uh, The irony of that is I um, was educated in California, where (laughs) the uh, LMFT, which is the licensed marriage and family therapist, is the the god of all master's levels licenses so i had to get an lmft because that's what the bulk of the programs are in california and i was so resentful of having to get a licensed marriage and family therapist license because i did not want to work with couples it was the absolute last thing i wanted to do many many lmfts work with individuals so i was very resentful of that but within a year after graduating, I was specializing in couples and now that's my passion. So oh, I love it. Um, Isn't that so interesting how things kind of work out that way where you think you're headed one direction and then life takes you on a completely different and you look back on it. I'm sure you're grateful for, for the grateful. kind of diversion. Yes. Yeah. Very grateful. Oh, I love it. Okay. So this is what's happening, Julie. We have been doing, uh, my husband and I just recently celebrated 17 years of marriage on the 26th of June. Exactly. And from there, we were giving our, every year actually, for about, I think I want to say I started at year 12. So it's been a while on the podcast where I share the lessons that I've learned specifically over the previous 365 days. Mm-hmm. And as we were doing this last set of lessons, uh, we started talking about trust and vulnerability and just a whole list of things. And one of our, and I actually been following your page for a while and a couple, actually, can you give people your Instagram page as well? Just really quickly. Sure. It's the secure relationship. Uh, I want to say com, but there's no .com yeah, on Instagram. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's I had not the secure relationship. Yes. On Instagram. And I had been following your page and a couple, I just follow a lot of like LMFT style accounts, mental health sure. style accounts as well on Instagram. And 
Um, someone suggested, Melissa, you guys should probably do an episode on um, attachment styles, attachment mm-hmm. theory. And mm-hmm. I was like, yes, we should. And of course I reached out. I'm, all, I'm always looking, I'm always following people just for my own accord, but then it's always great to kind of bring some of the knowledge that I've learned just in scrolling onto our podcast sure. and allowing our audience in on that. And Absolutely. so that's kind of what brought this about. And some of our specific stories and the things that my husband and I have been, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, reconciling is the word I'm going to use, uh, <laughs> some things that we realized we, we were married very young, Julie. Okay. We, we got married at 20 and 21. Met at 16. Wow. And so, yeah, we've been together a long time. I just yeah. turned 38. Oh my goodness. Or 37, 37, okay. 30. I don't remember at this point. Um, <laughs> after you hit 35, it's over. Yeah, you it's don't... like, girl, how, how yeah. old am I again? 37, 38, one of the two. And yeah. so we've been together a very long time. And what we realized is that some of the things that we thought we were doing right when we were younger, we did not do right Mm -hmm. and you learn as you get older and you evolve and you grow that there's some wounds that have developed over time that you you uncover and so we're going through that healing process from that we start I've started thinking about from this comment as someone said Melissa you 38 thank you uh Anita thank you girl 38 uh we started thinking about um, our, of course, we started couples therapy and uh, they're always asking these questions about like, um, how you grew up and have you ever thought about how this ties from when you were five and how you're responding right now. And your mind is always kind of the emoji like this. And so, um, what I thought we could do here is discuss, first of all, the whole kind of baseline definition of what, the attachment theory is, and then we can talk about, um, I'll I'll just kind of give you some examples of how some of the things my husband's gone through affects us today and how some of the things I've gone through as a child affects us today, because I think that's the part that help that will help people the most since we are a love and relationship podcast. I think that'll be the most relevant for people. So let's start with what is the attachment theory? All right. So the attachment theory, it's it's a pretty broad term, right? Um, So I'm going to just kind of go into the way that I think is the most organized way to explain it to folks. And if I start going, if I start getting into too much detail for what your goal is here, just pull me back in. Okay. um, I I always try to be very thorough, but sometimes Uh I know in certain platforms, thorough isn't exactly what people are for. Okay. Um, so, so to understand attachment theory, there's four things that we really need to understand. We need to understand one attachment bond two, okay. the attachment behavioral system, three attachment needs and four attachment styles. So okay. to have to, to, for, for attachment theory to be relevant, you, there has to be an attachment bond between two people. Okay. So if you don't have an attachment bond with someone, you might have some attachment issues show up with them, like the person at the market, but that's more of a projection of old attachment stuff from your past. It's not, it's not really that you have a bond with that person. Okay. So attachment theory really exists between a relationship in which two people are re- relying on each other 
for um, emotional needs, emotional support, um, to be teammates in life, uh, for physical affection, um, the, the opportunity to be supportive. We're, we're relying on a person, a special person, usually a loved one, a loved romantic partner um, for the good things in life, for the good emotional things, the, the connection, you know, the things that, that everybody kind of dreams of when they want to, when they imagine being in a relationship, we're also relying on them to avoid the bad things such as loneliness. Um, for there to be an attachment bond, there has to be a fear of losing that person. There has to be a fear there that if you were to lose them, then you would feel very sad and empty and you would have to go through a grieving process. So go ahead. So this can be, I, I know obviously as a love and relationship podcast, we're talking very specifically about like your significant other, but mm -hmm. when you're talking about bonds, you're not just talking, it, your parents can be that bond. Your siblings can be that bond, right? Friends can be that bond. Yes. Yeah, so when we are the, the first bond, the, the first area where this takes place is um, between child and caregiver. Okay. Okay. And that is where the, the attachment system is most profound and dramatic. And then research has shown that adults in romantic relationships repeat the attachment style and bond with their romantic partner that is very similar to the style that they had with their caregivers growing up. Now, outside of that context, when we start looking at siblings and friends, there's a, there are attachment elements there, but it's it's not as powerful as the romantic relationship. Okay, got it. So it's really the caregiver-child relationship and the partner relationship. Got it. And you're saying, oh, wait, that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks, and now I got to do some more evaluating. Yeah, please. What you just said though is that that your caregiver relationship to you often mirrors the relationship that you have with your partner your the romantic relationship you have with your partner as a child yes as a, in early childhood your style of of attachment with your earliest caregivers will be mirrored a lot of the time i mean this is statistics there's always exceptions but there has been a lot of really supportive research that that will be mirrored by the, the quality of the relationship. And what it really hinges on is how responsive was your caregiver to you when you needed comfort and support, comfort from distress and an emotional connection. Okay, I'm okay. following with you. All right, so this kind of segues into what's called the, the attachment behavioral system. Okay. And this is very, very important. Um, and this is what that is, is it's a brain body drive that we have in our bodies to avoid danger and to feel, feel comfortable and safe with our other close humans. And this is all rooted in the fact that primitive humans could not survive the wild alone. Uh, so we were driven to stay safe and modern humans still have that in our DNA and it primarily predominantly is going to show up in the romantic attachment. Okay. Um, and I like to give the analogy of the appetite system, right? Because what happens is, is when you're hungry, you're driven to eat Yes. because a, you're avoiding pain and death. You're avoiding the, the discomfort of being hungry and you're avoiding dying by not eating mm -hmm. and B you're seeking something that feels really good, which is food. 
Okay. And so if you don't mind, I'd like to do a really quick little exercise with you to okay. kind of get the felt experience of the attachment behavioral okay, system. Okay. I love exercises. Okay. All right. So I want you to close your eyes or you don't have okay. to close your eyes if you want to. And I want you to imagine you and Kevin in this, you know, and, and for our listeners, whoever you're you know, your romantic partner is or a past romantic partner. And I want you to imagine just the close, just being in an environment where it's beautiful and you feel close and connected and you feel so loved and you feel so cared for. And you know that Kevin feels like he's your hero and he's getting it right for you. And everything is, is just good between the two of you. The stars are really aligned. And as you do this, I want to know if you can kind of tap inside of your body and notice if there's any relaxation, if there's any kind of sense of warmth going through you. Um, and so you're nodding your head. I could see you nodding your head. So I'm going to assume that, it, yes, I mean, even my, even in my body, I'm not really going there because I'm asking the questions, but I can even feel that yeah. relaxed, you know, warm kind of feeling. My shoulders definitely relaxed. I even felt my breathing calm a little bit. There you go. Okay, now I'm going to be really mean and I'm going to ask you to go to the negative place. And now for all the people who are listening right now, this might not be safe for you if you're grieving or if you're you're raw or if you've suffered a breakup. So just, you know, take care of yourself. But for those of you who feel safe, I want you to go to the opposite of that place in your body. And I want you to imagine a big fight and Kevin is the enemy and you feel uncared for and invalidated and unheard and you're so frustrated. And I know everybody is gonna feel that one, right? So oh. we're tensing up, we're starting your stomach. My mouth can't stop being angry. Yeah, <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. what's happening is you're going into fight or flight, right? Mm. That you. That is it, that's the attachment behavioral system. You just felt it. Okay. okay. It, it, we're, we're driven toward the good, which is that first experience. We want that. We seek that. And we're driven toward avoiding the second experience. Okay. Got it. Right. Got it. That second experience is an attachment rupture. Now I want you to close your eyes and go back to the good stuff. Okay. <laughs> so we can get out of that bad stuff. Let's get out of that negative energy. So yeah. everything's good. You're feeling held. You're feeling heard and understood and all, and all is well. All right. So got that back a little yes. bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So that that's it. I mean, that's the attachment behavioral system. John Bowlby discovered this when he started um, uh, studying many, many cultures all over the world. And what he found is that babies are going to stay safe with their parents in any way possible. They're going to seek proximity to their parents and they're going to have this drive to do that. And that drive keeps them alive and it keeps them comfortable, okay? Now, when we think about um, the attachment behavioral system and we go back to that analogy of appetite, well, we know what we need when we're hungry, right? Yep. We need food. What do we need when our attachment behavioral system activates? Well, that's where attachment needs come into play, okay? So it's when our specific attachment needs are met that you get that good feeling. Got it. And when they're not met, you're going to get that yucky feeling. Got it. All right. We're yeah. going to take a break right here before we go into this next part and hear a word from the Love Hour sponsors. 
Honey child, do you need a break? Because I need a break. Julie is reading us and I'm here to tell you about one of my good, good friends. Okay. One of my, my good, good girlfriends and her name is Honey. Okay. She is the one that's going to bring you all of the promos all of the discount codes, all of the coupon codes. You don't have to worry about memorizing codes. You don't have to remember to go out here, there, and everywhere. You ever get to a place and you're like, God, dog, I know I have a coupon somewhere, but you can't remember. Honey is like, don't worry, girl. I'm the elephant in the room. I got it. I'm going to find it. I remember. It's no problem. When you check out, Honey button drops down and all you have to do is click apply coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons it can find for that site. If Honey finds a working coupon, you just simply watch the price drop. Honey has found over 17 million members, over $2 billion in savings. I am launching the Love On Stage dating show. So I'm constantly looking for the most up-to-date wardrobe items. And I went onto a site where I found some clothes, a retail site where I found some items that I liked. And before I got to the end, I was like, Lord Jesus, this stuff is a little expense. Can I find a little bit of discounts? And honey said, don't worry, boo, I got you. Okay. She went out. She got me some free shipping. I said, thank you, honey. Thank you, girl. Because a little money saved is a little money extra in my pocket. And I am never, ever, ever above saving some money. You hear me? If you don't already have honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It literally, it's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting this podcast. Get honey for free at joinhoney.com slash love. That's joinhoney.com slash love. Now let's get back to the show. And we are back. Thanks so much to the Love Hour sponsors. Okay, Julie, continue. All right. So... What we were saying is that when you're hungry, you need to eat food. And when your attachment system is activated and you're in a state of attachment distress with your loved one, with your partner, what you're needing is your attachment needs to be met. Okay. Here, there aren't that many attachment needs, which is interesting considering how many different relationships there are out in the world, right? But for the most part, humans need a very short list of things to feel safe with their partner. And that is to feel loved, to feel cared for, to feel appreciated, to feel successful in your partner's eyes, to feel seen, heard, and understood, to feel emotionally validated, to feel that your needs matter to your partner and to feel that your partner loves themselves. And I may have, I I might not have listed all of them, but those are the main ones that I see um, in my practice being shaken up and causing trouble right what is so interesting is that there was a couple of those i was like oh so i'm not crazy oh i didn't yeah, know that yeah, yeah. oh that's one as well what, yeah. what, what you're actually saying are is things that i've said aloud that i didn't realize was me calling out for my emotional need to be met i don't know if that makes sense it's like saying yeah. Um, I feel like you don't see me. If you guys listen to this podcast, you guys have heard me say this a gazillion times. I feel like you don't hear me all the time. I feel like you don't see me. These are complaints, so to speak, that I would say. I would have never put the words together that it is a, an emotional need that I'm Absolutely. seeing I'm missing. So let me just validate that for you right now. You're not crazy. Uh-huh. You're a human. Oh, don't make me cry, Julie. <laughs> I do. I'm pretty good at that. Let's talk. <laughs> Tell me a good joke. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. This is really powerful stuff. Uh Yeah. I mean, you, we all, we all need that. We all need to feel these needs are met to feel safe and cared for and loved and close. Mm, That's good. Right. Okay. And yes, I always like to say to feel safe and close to feel safe and close. feel safe and close when you feel safe and close that means your attachment needs are met and then it's like okay well am i supposed to walk around the relationship with my attachment needs met 100% of the time you know how does that work well i like to describe it like this it's we have climate and we have weather right so the west side of la has one you know pretty much the best climate in the world right uh-huh. you you know it's 75 degrees every day 70 75 degrees every day and for the most part things feel really good but we also have weather and sometimes there's a there's a rainstorm sometimes there's a really super cold day I sometimes love this really, yeah there's a super hot day sometimes there's a, fi- a wildfire that makes things smoky right so we what i want to see with couples is i want to see the climate of their relationship with the the vast majority of the time their attachment needs are met that is an that that is a realistic um expectation Mm -hmm. attachment needs are going to go unmet sometimes just like you're going to get hungry sometimes just because you eat a hamburger on tuesday that hamburger is not going to still be with you on friday that's right yeah so so basically um what what needs to happen is when these attachment needs get offline and something happens and you know kevin snaps at you and you feel uh you know unloved or or uncared for in that moment and then you say to him and i'm just being hypothetical yeah yeah yeah. you're such a jerk yeah and then he doesn't know what he does did wrong and now he feels like a bad guy Mm -hmm. so now his attachment need is not met right so now you both are in this state of having unmet attachment needs you guys got to learn how to repair that and get that back on board and if when couples don't know how to repair those they just build up and they get worse over time so the 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 difference between a happy couple and a struggling couple is how quickly can you repair these attachment wounds which are when these go unmet okay 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 hold on julie hold on you said a lot First of all, it's a lot. lot. No, but it's a lot of good stuff and I'm making a lot of connections. So thing number one, I'm just do a recap just real quick because I got to download everything that's going on in my brain. Got it. I'm here. Uh, There's only a handful of emotional needs that as human beings we need. Yes. Okay. Do you have that list somewhere on your Instagram? Uh, Yeah. Actually, I do. Okay. I'm going to find it and repost it so that we all can find our emotional needs. Once you find those emotional needs, I would imagine that the next part, once you're able to identify, okay, these are my emotional needs. Is that how you would say these are the things that I need to be emotion, feel emotionally safe? Absolutely. Okay. The terms attachment needs and emotional needs are kind of interchangeable. Okay. Got it. When you're, when you do that, what I'm, I'm pivoting a little bit because a question immediately came to my mind. How do you, what's the word I'm looking for? Articulate or have like the action for your partner to meet that need. Cause sometimes the struggle in the repair is Mm -hmm. that 
I don't really know what to tell you, except this ain't working for me. (laughs) Right. So how do you get over, how do you articulate and move to like, please, like, this is what I need you to do. Okay. So the way that that has to happen is, is what's called getting out of the negative cycle. Okay. Have you, are you familiar with the concept of the negative cycle? I, are you talking about Gottman? No, Gottman does a little bit of it, but okay. it's more of a Sue Johnson. Are you familiar with Sue Johnson? I love Sue Johnson. I want her to be on the podcast okay. in case you're listening, Sue Johnson. I want you to be on the podcast, uh, but no, I'm, then I'm not familiar. You'll, you'll never need me again. No, so I do, I, for, for the most part, I practice emotionally focused therapy for couples. Oh, EFT, which, got it. Absolutely, which was created by Sue Johnson. And Sue Johnson didn't actually invent, invent the concept of the negative cycle. As far as I know, Harriet Lerner invented it, who was someone back in the 80s. I don't know if you've heard of the book, The Dance of Anger or The Dance of Intimacy, no. but I, that's the first I ever, you know, I know of. But Sue Johnson really took it to another level. And the negative cycle is when, so I want you to imagine that there's two layers of a conversation taking place. You're talking about my need for you to meet my needs up here, right? Okay. That's like the content or okay. who's going to take the trash out or where are we going to send the kids to school or, you know, any number of things, where are we going to go on vacation? Any number of things that, that couples are talking about. We have that on a surface. Okay. Underneath that, we have the emotional climate and safety of the conversation. Got the message and the meta message. Exactly. Yes. Got so it. we need for if if this undercurrent is not healthy, meaning if attachment needs aren't being met in the process of the conversation, nobody's going to get anywhere. So if you're telling your partner, I need this, and they're saying, well, I need this, but what about you? Well, what about me? It doesn't matter that you'll, you're never going to meet each other's needs because you're in the process of not doing it. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> yes. I've ever said that one. Yeah. Okay. So the key is, is to learn safe communication, really, you know, safe ways to in not only safe communication and how to how to communicate your needs from a place of self, away from criticism, away from accusation, um, away from blame. But the other partner also has to be able to receive without getting overwhelmed and shutting down, without getting defensive. Okay, so there's a whole lot more I have to say right now. So you, you help guide me here. Okay. So, okay. So let's give an example. Okay. Okay. So let's give this example. If I say my, my, I recognize that my emotional need is feeling safe, Mm -hmm. um, but also feeling seen, heard and validated. I even think when you said, you know, the, let me validate, I think it triggered me if that's the right word, uh, resonated maybe is a better word because I recognize that that is one of the things that feeling like overlooked or overshadowed or whatever is, Mm -hmm. is a, is a very sensitive trigger for me. I know that when things happen and I'm like, Ooh, Melissa, that's a trigger girl you you gotta like that's a trigger like so how you gonna get over it sometimes Mm -hmm. in that moment I and I've said this before I'm really good just with from what I've 
kind of on my own. I don't have no degrees or certifications or nothing, but just on my own learning research, having people on the podcast, I'm very easily able to recognize my trigger, but my shutdown mode is, is that's what I do. I, I, if I don't feel like I can articulate, or if I don't feel like you will hear what I have to say, I immediately shut down. So that, that kind of dance of like, I know I need to say something, but then I also don't want to make you feel bad about making me feel bad. So I'll just hold my feel bad by not saying anything to you. Girl is so strong. Girl (laughs) is so strong. So how, if people are finding themselves in a loop similar to mine, how, Mm -hmm. how do you navigate that? Well, let me ask you this. I'm going to try, I'm trying to get my bearings straight here with you. What, what comment would trigger you more? If Kevin said, you're just too sensitive, you're overreacting, or if he said, you are, I'm the last person on your priority list, you don't even care about me. Which one of those would be more painful for you to hear? Um, more painful for me to hear would probably be, only because it's not true, would be if he said, I'm the last person on your priority list. Okay. Okay, and so so. if he said that to you, what would what would your response be? Um, that would be defensive. I would be like, for real, you can't be serious. <laughs> you can't yeah. be serious because clearly everything in my life literally revolves around like you and your schedule, what you do. Like I would just, it would just not be in, I would just- It wouldn't like, even be something that he would say. Okay. Yeah. So what would happen more likely, this is what happens often. Okay. This is the, the cycle that we're in often is because of the nature of the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I can offer a suggestion. Mm-hmm. You should- paint this wall, this room yellow. Mm -hmm. All the reasons why it's a terrible idea. Every reason, in fact, why it's a terrible. You say this and then I say you should paint this room yellow. Okay. Gives me all the reasons why it's a terrible idea and why he shouldn't do it. And it's just not the best idea. He walks outside and sister cucumber says, you know what I think is a good idea? You should paint that room yellow. And now it's the best idea. Oh, man. Oh, just let me tell you why you're the smartest person on the planet. And let me tell you. And then after it's painted, right, because he'll do it now. The person who gets the credit for the yellow room Mm -hmm. is not me. I see. Okay, that's one example. Another example is the... uh, this isn't a real life example, but I'm going to, you'll understand the point. The centering of self as the hero in the story, Mm -hmm. when maybe we were both present, but in in the recalling of the story, I'm erased. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I am completely erased. All right. All right. Everything is now, look at all the things I did. So this happens a lot. And so the feeling of being overlooked, not being seen, not, these are words I say all the time. You don't see me. You don't hear me. You don't understand. You don't, you don't recognize my contribution, really big contributions. I understand what you represent to me in my life all day long. But when we're talking about like you, I, you just said you did that, but in real life, I, 
I was the one who picked him up and sat that here, or I was the one, you know, it's that kind of thing. And it drives me crazy because it feels like I don't matter. Okay, there we go. I was going to say, what is the meaning there? If you were to say paint the room yellow, and he says, Miss Cucumber says to paint the room yellow, what's the, what meaning do you make of that? And what you just said is the meaning is, is I don't matter to you. Yes. I'm not, I'm invisible. I don't I'm, I'm invisible. My contributions okay. don't matter. What I have to say holds okay. no weight with you. Right. Um, or that what I say to you needs to be validated by other people before it holds weight. Okay. And meaning you're not being validated. Correct. Okay. All right. And so when you get this feeling and this trigger, right? This is this is a big one for you. This is oh, yeah. All of a sudden, I don't think I matter to Kevin. I don't feel validated. Uh-huh. There's other people out there that that are more important to him. And then what happens in your body? Um, there is a lot of. I, I vacillate back and forth. Hold on before we move on. We're going to take a break here from Love Our Sponsors. All right, we're taking a break from this episode to tell you about Noom. Kevin and I have literally decided, I mean this for real, that we are going to get into the best shape of our lives for our 40th birthday. I'm so excited because generally speaking, I don't work out all that much, but that's okay because Noom doesn't make me feel bad about it. And that's what I love about Noom. At the end of the day, we are human. We make mistakes. No day is the same. Your energy levels goes up. It goes down. You have to pick up the kids today. You don't got to pick them up tomorrow. Every day is different. And so you want a woke up program that is going to be flexible with you, but also not make you feel bad when you don't or can't. You simply cannot do the things that you committed to do. Not that you've given up and thrown in the tile, but maybe today just isn't the day that you could do it. For example, I told you guys at the beginning of the episode, we flew from Jacksonville to Savannah to Atlanta, ended up staying the night in Savannah and then came home. Guess what that means? I'm tired today. So that means that working out is not probably on my agenda and that's okay. They use a psychology-based approach to find a healthier balance that's moldable to your life, that's flexible. And the result is it's more sustainable and you don't feel bad and you don't give up because you miss one day because how many of us do that? Ever since using Noom, honestly, I feel a lot less stress. Working out gives me an, a, a better mood and I just have better energy and I feel better in my skin because I know I'm doing right by it. So start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up at for your trial at noom.com slash love hour. That's noom, N-O-O-M.com slash love hour. Start building better habits for healthier long-term results. Sign up for your trial at noom.com slash love hour. That's noom, N-O-O-M.com slash love hour. <clears throat> also want to tell you about Skillshare. They are a sponsor of today's episode. Every human was born to create. You have creative genes inside of you. Even if you're like me and it took you a little while to learn and accept that you are a creative person, that's okay because Skillshare is here. They are an online learning community that empowers you to accomplish real growth. The most recent class I took was TikTok for Everybody, Script, Shoot, and Upload Your First TikTok by a gentleman named Josh. You guys, TikTok is the wave, okay? It is definitely the way of the future. And as a person who is constantly trying to, uh, as a person who is constantly trying to grow their audience, 
on social media. I understand the importance of TikTok as a platform. And so that's the class that I'm taking because honestly, I feel like TikTok is a thing for a younger generation, child. And I just said, I'm trying to work for 40 and now I'm trying to TikTok. Child, it's a lot, okay? It's a lot, okay? Um, explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash love hour and get a free one month trial of premium membership. That's one month of premium membership at skillshare.com slash love hour. Again, explore your creativity at skillshare.com slash love hour and get a one month free trial of premium membership. And now let's get back to the show. Thank you so much to all of our sponsors. So what happens in my body often, and this is not just with Kevin, this is, I recognize this as a trigger with a lot of people, Mm -hmm. Um, but I have a very um, shrink mode. This is why I'm doing this. So it's like, oh, if I'm invisible or if I don't matter, then let me make myself small. Okay. So, so I will, this is honestly I've recognized this as well. This is, oh, Melissa, to prevent yourself, listen to me clearly now, Julie, I'm about to tell on myself for all my audience, y'all. I'm about to We're tell right you. here. We, there's nothing I haven't heard. If, no, 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 not if. To protect myself from being invisible from other people, I will make myself invisible so at least I own it. Okay, right. So if I make myself invisible, other people can't hurt me by making me invisible. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to hurt myself before anybody else can do it. Yeah. I don't call it hurt though, Julie. I call it protection. Well, okay. (laughs) Protection from hurt. Protection from hurt. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so what happens is you have this horrible feeling come up in your body. Yes. You feel invalidated. The meaning is, is I don't matter to my husband. I don't matter to my loved one. Yes. It's devastatingly painful. You shrink in and you go invisible. And what are you hoping for? You're hoping for to protect yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so how does, then what happens for Kevin? How does, how does he pick up that this is going on for you? I, I honestly, I think more recently he has been noticing that this is, I mean, I've been able also to articulate like, this is kind of my pattern. This is what happens for me. And it's, spot on every single time I I know me so well that I know I'm gonna do it um so I think now he understands that I, he that when I that that's what's happening and so I think he's trying to be um more aware mm-hmm. of like oh let me like let me understand Melissa's point of view let me hear her out let me whatever the case may be what is it that you might do or say that he he would pick up on that if he no, might it's a shutdown there's no do or say. Yeah, okay. no, no, it's a shutdown. He literally sees your body go away. Yeah, I'm, I'm. You get silent. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and do and I wish I had him here because I would like to know what goes through his mind. My guess is is uh oh I screwed up again. Oh, most certainly. When you were talking about the emotional needs, his would probably be uh you said something about success, something like yep. I'm doing a good job. His, his yes. love language is words of affirmation. Yes. So it's very much, oh yes. crap, I, I messed up. Oh, oh, oh. So he's starting to understand that um, now and be more sensitive to it. Okay. So let me, let me see, let's go back before he could understand it. And let me see if I can map this out. 
so he would he would sense you doing this shutdown however he sensed it he would uh -huh. see you move away you would all of a sudden not be talking and then he's going to say to himself oh crap i screwed up again i don't even know what i did wrong mm -hmm. right and then he's going to get all anxious and then what's his move going to be to kind of like try to laugh you back or uh his, or say what's wrong with you it is a it, it becomes an overcorrection. Okay. All so right. There, uh, you understand what I'm trying to say? Absolutely. Okay, good. He starts uh, trying to get you to not feel the way you're feeling by making up for it. Yes. There is a, okay. there's a strong okay. overconnection okay. to my shutdown. Okay. So here's what needs to happen right there. This is okay. the healing point. Okay. When Tell me. Happen, for couples right there, when there's this rupture is we really need to be able to talk about what just happened emotionally attachment need wise right and so one person needs to be the person to initiate it it doesn't matter hopefully over over the big picture it's balanced but you need to be able to talk about hey in that moment that was one of those moments where you know that that wound kind of welled up inside of me where i started to not know if i mattered to you and it was just incredibly painful to me and so what happened is I just wanted to kind of shut down and retreat and protect myself. Yeah. That's how important you are to me. Yeah. Right. And, and so his response right there is I see, I get it. I, it was not, it, he doesn't have to agree that he did on purpose, but it was yeah. not my intention to leave you feeling that way, but I absolutely see how hurtful it is for you in those moments when you don't know that you matter to me. And I'm sorry that you went through that. And how can I help you right now? And that is that is diving into it directly instead of doing this indirect way of just trying to, oh, let's do the let's do the walls yellow. How about yes. we do the walls yellow? That was yes. your idea. Yes. No. That, that's so emotional funny. avoidance. It's a, it's avoiding the actual emotional issue that just took place. What you've just um modeled, I think is where we are today. Okay. Is more having those conversations. Part of it is my own work of recognizing, again, I didn't have the language to say, you know, my emotional needs aren't being met, but yeah. I did know enough to say, I don't feel seen by you. I don't hear heard. I don't, that whatever. That's great. And so going through um, that has allowed him, you know, the space to come back and say, okay, let me be more aware let me, Hey, I didn't mean for that to happen. That's not, or sometimes it's not even, I, I apologize. Sometimes it's you're reading this wrong. Mm -hmm. To be honest, this is what was really happening. This is mm -hmm. what's going on. This is what you didn't know. This is what you didn't see. And so then it's a, okay, you know, I got to shake myself. I didn't understand that. I didn't know that I apologize. I read that wrong and we can move on. But without that conversation, years build yeah. up years yeah. of not knowing and so you develop that the the narrative in your mind of he doesn't care or she doesn't care or Absolutely. whatever whatever it yeah. is and so that's the work that we are kind of right now is recognizing okay this is my now emotional needs is the words I'm going to use and so I need to be able to articulate in real time, this is what's going on. So he at least has the opportunity to either correct it or correct me. Right. Talk about it, repair it, at least understand each other. Yeah. Right. Now, a couple things here. One is 
what you're doing right now is is the first stage of therapy, which is stabilizing the negative cycle instead of letting it keep going to this place where now he starts to try to overcorrect and you're still over there feeling alone because you're not really getting the real issue addressed and then it just kind of keeps going you're stabilizing the negative cycle and then as we move forward we start to try to heal old wounds right and i don't know how you know not all couples have old wounds but for some couples there's a lot of really big big attachment injuries that took place that they haven't been able to address because they haven't been able to talk about things outside of a negative cycle so that was a little bit of of a a tangent there but i want to ask you something have you ever said to kevin what is it like for you in those moments when you say something and all of a sudden i'm gone and I'm shut down and you don't know what happens. What happens inside of you when that when that happens? I'm writing this down as a question okay. I shall ask him. Okay. I've never asked. Yeah, well, because he 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 is an avoidant, and so he's not really even in touch with how painful that might be for him. Because that's really painful for him in those moments. And we're we're wanting to access him emotionally too. We want to bring him to the table. So we want to get him sharing. Yeah, you know, it's really scary for me in those moments. It's really anxious, you know, because I don't know what happened. And it's not who gets to hurt worse. Right. It's wow, this event took place and both of us got a little off guard and, you know, got a little shaken up. And here's how it affected me. And here's how it affected me. And then he's going to start learning how to tap into his self. And it's not just going to be how can Kevin help Melissa feel better, that how can Kevin communicate his own pain, which is going to help you feel closer to him. Oh my gosh. I've been asking for this for years and you've just helped me tap into, I will ask that question directly on tonight. Okay. That's so good. I love that question. And I think it's right when, um, Oh, I I have so many thoughts. I'll take one more break to hear from the Love Hour sponsors, then we'll be right back. And lastly, I want to tell you about Ritual. Ritual is the multivitamin company that you trust. They have everything from protein powders to multivitamins to vitamins for teens, vitamins for uh, women, vitamins for men, vitamins for women that are pregnant. They have a vitamin for you. I get up every morning and take my ritual um, vitamin. I love it because it is delicious. It is plant-based. They offer three premium formulations for distinct life stages, as I just mentioned. Again, they have the protein shakes. Um, They have everything that you need. And what's great is that you can get them on a subscription, um, which is super, super flexible to incorporate into your daily life. So I know it's summer and maybe you're doing a lot of traveling. That's okay. You don't have to cancel your subscription. You can simply modify it to adjust to your needs. I personally like the ritual protein powders because in general, protein powders are gross. This is a fact. They're not good but they have really great tastes. They are very easy to incorporate into your daily routine. And they're just a really great foundation to establishing really great health. And again, as I'm approaching 40, these are things that's really important to me. So why not shake up your ritual to make trying something 
new, less scary. Ritual offers a money back guarantee if you're not 100% in love. Plus, my listeners get 10% off during your first three months. Just visit ritual.com slash love hour to add essential protein today. That's ritual.com slash love hour. And now let's get back to the show. Okay. And we are back. First of all, Julie, this is so good. Everyone is saying that this is really, really good. The thing that I really love about uh, what happens to you is that it allows him that space in a way, in a way where you were talking about um, the message and the meta message. I've always intended, I think, to ask that question. I've never asked it that way. And so I get answers that be like, that's not really what I meant, but that's okay. So now I'm going to ask it just like that. I think that's the question I need to ask. So based on the examples that I gave, are you able to say these are our attachment styles? 100%. Okay. Tell me. You are the anxious partner. He is the avoidant partner. Oh, I thought it was the opposite. Many people do, and it's because so many people define and get stuck defining and read information that defines attachment style by behavior, and it's really not. Behavior, if we if we are defining attachment style by behaviors, we're going to get really confused because what you're, what you're describing about shutting down and going inward looks like a very classic avoidant behavior, but it's driven by anxious dynamics. It's driven by, I need to feel loved and cared for. I need to feel seen. I need to know I matter to you. Mm. I, it's it, the core of it is an abandonment fear. Um, if I don't stop. You don't make me cry. Sorry, <laughs> I'll stop. Stop oh, it, therapist. Bad therapist. <laughs> um, and, and so it's driving, you know, I, it is, it's a rare anxious move. I don't see it a ton, but mm. it's not it's a it there's a different motivation to it than when a when an anxious partner avoids an anxious part i mean i'm sorry when an avoidant partner avoids like that avoided partners shut down because they genuinely want to escape the conflict they genuinely want to get out of those feelings i don't want to feel this i don't want to feel overwhelmed i don't want to feel anxious i don't want to so i'm just going to detach and i'm going to go over here and i'm going to go in the garage and work on my car or I'm gonna appease and say what they wanna hear, ah. or I'm gonna try to fix and overcompensate. That, those are avoided strategies. And, what's, and, and so the, the anxious partner has a core fear of abandonment. Okay. The, uh, the needs, the attachment needs that are very prominent. Now, all people have all attachment needs, okay. but anxious partners, they're more in touch because of their childhood experiences. They're more in touch with the need to be validated, to know they matter, to be seen, to be responded to. Avoidant partners are more in touch with, I need to be seen as getting it right. I need to know that I'm being appreciated. Um, I need to know that my needs matter too here. Okay. Now that that's not, again, this stuff can be flexible, but this is what I work with day after day after day after day. I see, I, I really truly see the same couple over and over and over again. It's when so you, when you boil it down to the notes. Yes, and notes. Absolutely. And is so, that one of the most common, I'm sorry, go ahead. It is the most common. I am going to say a really big statement that I think a lot of people have a hard time to believe. I've never treated a couple that doesn't fall in the anxious avoidant dynamic ever. And I can give you a few reasons for that. One is, is that anxious and avoidance are just attracted to each other subconsciously. It just happens. It's, um, I have a post on Instagram called, um, anxious avoidant 
relationship, it's a balancing act. Mm -hmm. If you, um, you know, there's, there's family systems theory, which is that a system, a family system is going to balance itself out emotionally. So if you have an anxious person, that person has some emotional imbalance. I don't want to, you know, people who are, have an anxious and avoidant attachment styles are healthy people, right? Mm-hmm. They're not considered mentally ill or yeah. it's not considered a, a, any kind of like personality disorder. Now, when you get into the disorganized attachments, then we start to have label things right um someone who's anxious they're 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 so overwhelmed by their feelings their feelings are so big and this is to to varying degrees right Mm -hmm. as people approach secure this becomes less true but they're so overwhelmed with their feelings they have a hard time regulating and in moments of fear accessing the um I don't want to say the rational side of their brain, but their fear gets really, really big. So I always say, I got this from um, uh, anatomy of marriage, Melanie Studley. She always says she gets flooded. And that's actually a word that I've used before that I become so flooded with emotion. And I'm a very easy crier if that hasn't been abundantly clear. And I hate crying and uh, my mind can get to racing that I'm like, I just, literally it's like a power like like a power off it's so much so much happening oftentimes I do know what I want to say but it becomes overwhelming to say so I just rather go inward let me ask let me ask you this when you go to those places and let's say maybe it's not even related to the relationship Mm -hmm. what does Kevin do for you well, well, you gotta, you gotta be Pacific. You gotta be Pacific. Cause I'm in, I'm in a pre and a post world. <laughs> I guess so. is, is that a lot of times he can stay really rational in situations where you get really upset. Yes. He can maybe become the voice of reason. He's better at pushing his feelings away oh. and focusing on the problem solving. Yeah, yeah, for sure. hundred percent. Okay. There you go. If you take two people who get really dysregulated under emotional stress, two anxious, anxiously attached people, it doesn't work. It's too much ah. energy for a system to it, it. Be It's an unsustainable system. Mm. Now, if you take two people who are emotionally avoidant, see the, the, the role of the anxious partner is to close the emotional distance in the relationship. The role of the avoidant partner is to keep things from getting worse to keep things from getting too escalated. Okay, so they're gonna come in if there's some tension, they're gonna come in and try to put the fire out, right? So if you have two emotionally avoidant people, there's nobody trying to, nobody's really working to maintain the connection. And as conflict comes up, nobody's talking about it and they just grow apart, right? If they even go on a date to begin with, you know? Okay, so so trying to figure out where, where we stopped. Um, it's it's a balancing act. Oh, yeah. we want if we have two secure people, they have more of an inner balance. They're able to have this emotional side of them and access it, but they also have more of an ability to regulate both of them. Nobody uh-huh. has to cut their emotions off and nobody has to get overwhelmed. Got so it. that's the balance in the relationship. We have two balanced people coming together and there's your balance as opposed to one person's holding all the emotion and the other person is keeping things from getting too overwhelming. 
Got it. And so even if a person, I mean, I think that as we, as we go down the spectrum, like from the most severe is the disorganized attachment folks, right? Those are, those are pretty severe. Like it's pretty rigid, a lot of personality disorder overlap. And then it, I have a little um, graph here, but I know your readers can't see it, but it starts over here with disorganized. Now, if you notice that we have an attack, we have an avoidance spectrum, and then we have an anxious spectrum. As they go down and get healthier here into secure, then the spectrums get closer so people can start being more flexible and going back and forth between avoidant and anxious behaviors, even secure couples still have pursue withdraw dynamics that show up from time to time. Got it. Okay. So, okay. This was really great. Um, and I'm happy I have been told because I promise you, I've been like, I don't know. I, I literally thought we were the opposites, but as you're yeah. describing it, I'm like, oh girl, that's in a nutshell. So if yeah. you find people that are watching this, listening to this and they're like, okay, so Julie has just read my life. Uh, like she just described everything that we go through. How do we, what's the first step to getting out of this? And is there a way or what, maybe that's not the question. Cause I think you actually answered that. How do you move toward security? How that's the question. How do you move more toward security? If you find yourself anxiously attached or avoidantly attached. Okay. So there's, there's two ways to go about it. One is on your own. And that would be if you're anxiously attached, learning regulation skills, learning about where this anxious attachment came from, exploring your fear of abandonment, doing a lot of um, inner work. There's a book called The Attachment Theory Workbook by Annie Chen, C-H-E-N, that I recommend on Instagram. A lot of people have found that to be very helpful. I think the ideal way it, to work on a relationship rooted issue, which is attachment, is in the context of a relationship because that's where it's all showing up. Got it. That's where we have the real life, real time stuff showing up. Um, I think that it, it, it it's hard. It's going to be hard for a couple to do that on their own. I have had lots of positive feedback about people um, using my site that have that has really helped them. Now, of course, there are people at different levels of distress, right? Mm -hmm. Some people aren't going to be helped by a book or an Instagram site. And some people are. Mm -hmm. um, ICEFT, it's I-C-E-E-F-T.com okay. is where you can go to find uh, their, you know, worldwide at, um, emotion focused therapy for couple therapists. Um, you just type in where you live and they'll give Got you it. a list. Um, they, I, I prefer EFT because it works with attachment styles and it works with negative cycle. And there's a very clear trajectory. It's very organized. Um, and I have a book coming out. Oh, uh, yeah, this, it, this fall. And the, the goal of this book is I kind of start with presenting attachment theory, just like I did here. And then my, my goal, and I'm, you know, it's left to be seen if it were if it works or not. But my goal is to walk couples through the process that I use in my private practice, because unfortunately there are a lot of people out there who don't have access to couples therapy. So it's not a replacement for couples therapy, but it's certainly an augment for people who either are in couples therapy or just you know don't have access. The, the, the field is 
is really needing people right now. There's an over more demand than there is supply. Do you so, think the pandemic is playing a role in that too? That people are starting to go out more for therapy? I think so. Yeah, because I think any kind of stress is going to make problems worse. And then I think it's becoming less stigmatized yeah. relationship help. I mean, look at what the conversation we're able to have right now. I mean, I don't know if you could have had that 10 years ago on a podcast. I mean, you guys are pioneers, right? Oh. Um, Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought of it that way. Seriously. I mean, the, the conversation is opening up. And so people are, are going to seek help. And um, yeah, so I mean, I, I'm hoping that we, we get more couples therapists. A lot of people don't want to work with couples. I'll be honest with you. Most therapists do not want to work with couples. It's an incredibly hard um, I can imagine that type of therapy to do. Yeah. And draining. So, I can imagine that. I listen. I mean, uh, it's not the same, but I listened to uh, Where Should We Begin by Esther Perel when she does the couple, uh, the one like one shot couples therapy. And I can only listen to two or three of them at a time. And I need, normally binge will listen and then uh -huh. I have to take a break because it's kind of a lot to. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. a lot to take in. And oh, even yeah. her one that she does about work, Loki, the last one I listened to, I was like, Esther, this is work, <laughs> but this is also couples, girl. That's not what I signed <laughs> up for. Um, okay. So, okay. Okay. So Julie, working toward secure attachment style, mm -hmm. being able to recognize uh, that it is okay to kind of bounce between the two, but ultimately that would be the goal would be, you yeah. said, I, I see E E F T.com. I, I see E E F T. I and I can email this to you also. Got it. Okay. Um, As a resource for therapists who use yes. um, EFT um, emotionally focused therapy, the negative cycle. And I'm, sh I'm assuming then they would have some grounding in, um, the attachment styles as well, because it's EFT. Yes. We learn all. Yes. Okay. Um, right. and then obviously your book that you have coming out, is there mm -hmm. anything like, as I'm going through, I mean, I'm using me as an example, y'all getting therapy child through me, uh, as I am going through my own, you know, kind of, I don't know the right word, but I'm always looking to like be better and like sure. be very like self-aware. It's kind of how I got to the point where I'm like, these are the words that I'm using. And now I know additional words and these are sure. the things I should be saying. Um, is there anything that you see or anything that I've said where you like also add this for the people that again, who see themselves in me? Who see themselves? Okay. Meaning, is there anything that you would uh, suggest in addition? Yes. Have you heard of the book, The Body Keeps the Score? Yes. Okay. That is a must read. Okay. Yeah. I haven't must read it, but I have heard of it. If you're telling me, you know, that you feel flooded, um, highly, I highly recommend Somatic Experiencing Therapy, which is kind of the book, the, the author of um, The Body Keeps the Score is very much tied in with the somatic experience. So it's somatic s-o-m-a-t-i-c and then the second word is ex experiencing and it's traumahealing.org doesn't mean you have to have any kind of significant trauma it just it it's a way like uh traditional talk therapy is wonderful mm -hmm. but it hits a wall because talking can become a defense against feeling and feelings happen in the body 
So somatic. One more time. Talking can be a defense against feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you're going to a somatic experiencing therapist, here's here's what they do. So you just talk, tell me anything. Start talking about something that's important to you that you you might want to tell a therapist or make something up. Um, I, I will make something up instead because I don't feel like crying. I want to talk about that my sisters get on my nerves because that's not true at all. Okay, so slow down. Okay. Slow down because I can tell what happens right at that moment when you say your sister's getting on your nerves. What comes up in your body? Do you notice? Um, okay, well, so that's, that's just an example of- Oh, I was like, I don't know. What did I feel? Okay, so in traditional talk therapy, you're going to go in and they're going to ask you all about your sister and you're going to tell all the story and they're going to get all the details and they're going to want to know how does this relate to your past and blah, blah, blah. And it's all very useful, but it hits a wall and it stops being effective at some point. And the reason for that is, is the feelings are happening in here. So they go through the body to get to the processing instead of going through the brain. It's amazing. It's okay. It's the new edge, the cutting edge that in um, psychedelics are the cutting edge. of. <laughs> okay. So I'm listen, if y'all have questions, y'all got about two more minutes and I got to let Miss Julie go. Um, this book is a must for everybody. Hold me tight by Sue Johnson. I was going to say, I've seen that cover before. It's Sue yeah. Johnson. That's why. Yeah, definitely. If you, if you're interested in what I've had to say today, read this book for, for certain um okay julie so this is the thing you a little bit read me a little bit when you said talking is a defense mechanism from feelings mm -hmm. i'm trying I'm, I'm i'm trying to understand how i feel about that i have a lot of my body's doing a lot of this yeah. right now kind of gnawing on that thought and i have to figure out how i feel about it um, but I do understand the thought that you can over talk yourself instead of actually dealing with your feelings. So I'm going to think about that. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't, when you I think you said it better than I did, you can over talk. Uh -huh. Talking isn't bad. Talking is wonderful, you know, but if you're, if you're in a therapeutic situation and you're really wanting to learn to regulate your nervous system, the way to go about it isn't to talk in the so much that you're overriding the actual feelings that are taking place yeah okay i i yeah i'm gonna think about that some more the other thing is that might be hard they don't have any oh can you cover examples of okay I, that's exactly where i was gonna go the other thing that i struggle with and we can end on this note sure. is not feeling like i had a very traumatic childhood okay. and so reconciling like abandonment as an example with my childhood they it, it uh, immediately that's not clear to me so okay. away from me more generically can you give examples of what a childhood may look like for anxious abandoned and maybe disorganized i don't know if you want to go there but definitely the first two and we absolutely. can tell that absolutely and i think i could do this fairly quickly so um, first of all, we have a difference between the disorganized categories of insecure attachment and the organized ones. People who are organized, they didn't have to have horrible childhoods. Avoidance, they'll tell you they have the greatest childhood in the whole entire world. Like you would think nothing ever went wrong in their childhood. 
Um, anxious tend to be a little more in touch with some things that didn't go well. What defines uh, an anxious and avoidant, insecure, attached uh, parenting style is insensitivity sometimes, enough of the time. So for anxious kids, what that looks like is they aren't 100% sure that their parent is gonna respond to them when they need their parent. So basically they have to develop some strategies to get the parent's attention. Um, it sounds to me like one of your, just hearing what we're talking about or what you've told me, one of your strategies would be, we'll make myself invisible or be compliant and not rock the boat and to stay in good graces, right? Ooh, some- Stop reading me, Julie. Uh, yeah, so some anxious children are gonna um, cry to be held. They're gonna act helpless. Some anxious children are gonna um, be, show anger or have a fit. And that's kind of a guarantee that they can get their parent to come over and respond. Got it. Just going up and saying, mommy, I need a hug, isn't gonna do it. Mommy might say, okay, I know I'm busy. Okay, blah, 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 you know, but they have to develop these kind of alternate ways to get the parent's responsiveness. Avoidant kids, on the other hand, um, the parent rebuffs them or rejects them or just kind of ignores their bids for connection. And so what the avoidant kids learn to do is they learn to do distract with other things close to the parents, mm. proximity wise. So they learn, it's kind of a second best. It's like, all right, well, I can be close to mom and I can distract with these toys and kind of distract from the fact that I want more than I'm actually getting and stuff it down and still kind of maintain some closeness there. So it's, it's more of an insensitivity than it is abuse or trauma. And to be honest with you, even just, and I have really recently learned this, even those with a disorganized attachment do not have to have been traumatized as children. They just have to have parents with unresolved trauma. That, and, it's, and it just transmits, and I, I won't go into all, there's multiple different pathways that you can get to a disorganized attachment. But um, the degree to which your parents, to which a parent was insensitive is the degree to which a person is going to have uh, their insecure attachment style. Okay. And so you can have, I mean, honestly, people can have wonderful childhoods and still have an insecure attachment because of certain little things here and there. You know, it never, I never ever want to take away from the goodness of a person's childhood or and some people have terrible childhoods too i want to validate that but i never want to take away from the goodness my job is let's look at what worked and let's look at what didn't work and where it didn't work let's fix it got it yeah. so you are saying that a child that is a good student and is a star child and does all the really great things and has good girl syndrome mm -hmm. could also wind up in the would you call me a ban avoidant anxious anxious anxious, anxious. Yes. Yes. absolutely yeah absolutely you're you're that would be a, an example of probably over compliance being good girl i i, I don't know you maybe you're a caretaker of many people in your life mm -hmm. um and that is definitely a sign of, of anxiousness. And I don't wanna take away from caretaking at all. It's a beautiful thing as humans, that's what we're supposed to care for each other. It's when it starts to become at the expense of self-care, too much, too imbalanced, 
that it starts to become anxiety driven. And if you were put into the position too early of having to roll reverse with your take care of younger siblings or take care of your mom, that that's a classic anxious dynamic right there. Okay, so listen, 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 everybody listen. Y'all, do y'all feel red? I feel a little bit red on today. I feel a little bit red on today. All the business was out on Front Street on today. (laughs) Uh, But I think this is really, 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 really good. I learned my attachment style, which was great. Uh, The opposite of what I thought it was, which is even better. I also am going to go to um, I-C-E-E-F-T. I-C-E-E-F-T, yes. Okay, dot com. I'm going to, I think I'm going to fire the uh, therapist we have now currently because I was already on the fence about them anyways. And this just gave me the confirmation that I do. Uh, The Body Keeps the Score as the book, Somatic Experiencing Therapy. Yes. Okay. And, um, And don't forget, Hold Me Tight. Hold Me Tight by Sue Johnson. Yes. And if you go to my Instagram site, I have a resources highlight and I also have some other books I recommend there. Okay. Got it. Um, because this was freaking amazing. Very, someone said this was so rich. That's so churchy, but it was so rich. I Uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm hoping everyone did, but our comments here are telling me that they most certainly did, uh, that they most certainly did. So I appreciate you, Julie, for taking time out. Uh, of your day to spend with us. I greatly appreciate this. I'm going to do some research and do some body. Yeah. Some body stuff. I actually think you're right because with everything that I know, and I'm by no means an expert, I do. And I've told Kevin this, I'm like, I feel like there's a certain wall that Mm -hmm. I've hit. um, And I, I wouldn't have been able, I always thought it was just the therapist, Mm -hmm. honestly, but I feel like maybe I just need a different type of therapy. Yeah. And that's really where the field is moving right now out of, you know, and I don't, I, I am a talk. This isn't bashing. It's not bashing at all. There's room for everyone, but I think we need to break through that wall. And that's the somatic piece and the attachment piece. Got it. And big things are going to happen in the world within the next decade, because all of this research has been being done with both the attachment and the somatic pieces for you know, many, many, many decades since the 40s, and it's all starting to become mainstream. And I get chills just saying that because I really, I do think it's going to really help us, you know, as, as humans. I have a lot of hope for that. So. Oh my God. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Listen, uh, Julie, I appreciate you so much. One last time for the people who are uh, interested in following you on Instagram, I'm going to pull it up just to make sure we say it right. But I think it's the secure attachment, right? No, the secure relationship. Yep. You're right. Obviously you're right. Your Instagram. (laughs) You would be surprised. add.com i also have um a, a website where you can pre-order the book which is com, and then i also am on the other things link to, uh youtube facebook but somebody else does all that so yeah okay <laughs> is instagram that's I, I do instagram and i write books and i do these kinds of things and so 
This has been great. Her Instagram has tons of like diagrams. I'm constantly reading them, to be honest. Um, You guys know one of my main goals with this podcast is to provide um, words. This is what I always say. I like to provide words to people's feelings because I feel like for so long I had so many feelings and I didn't know how to articulate them. And uh, it's part of the reason I consume so much information is to be able to identify and articulate what's going on? What am I feeling? How do I, whatever. And so um, I'm hoping that this episode was able to provide a lot of words for people's feelings today. Go to her website, find the graphic. I'm going to try to find it and post it in my story that has the emotions. Um, the I, I, have, I have a few actually on that. And I have one that's like 10 pages long. So if you want, I can just um, DM them to you and you know okay. exactly which ones they are. Perfect. That'll work. So yeah, I can send them go into more detail than others. Yes. And that way you guys, you know, again, if you guys are like, I have these feelings too, and I feel emotionally empty or that my needs aren't being met, reading that I'm sure will be able to provide you some words to have that conversation um, with your partner. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It was a a pleasure. You're beautiful and wonderful and funny and thank you. All the good stuff. So thank you. Um, All right, you guys. Thank you guys so much for joining us until the next Love Hour episode. Bye.